What's up, movie nerds? It is now time to get in the Wayback Machine. Throw this bitch in rewind, because it's time for this new episode of 3FN Rewind. And we are going to jump back to 1993 on this episode to review the Jean-Claude Van Damme classic, Nowhere to Run. But before we can get there, my name is Rich, and I'm coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. And in the co-pilot's chair this week, I have my compadre from over at the 3FN Podcast, and he is the Mookie to my Sam. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ron. We're like the last blockbuster over here. No, the last blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this was the last blockbuster or not. I don't know if this this I don't know if this would have brought blockbuster back. We'll have to find out when we get to the review portion. But uh, yeah, we're gonna we're getting the way back machine. Of course, this is the week of the 1993 movie for January 30th anniversary, celebrating uh, the that me and Diesel are getting old. So it's always a good time. Time. Welcome to the club. Yes, I know, but. Like I said, 1993 time, and uh, we we're going to talk about Nowhere to Run, which came out on my birthday in 1993, even January 15th, 1983. I know it's not time for the stats yet, but I might as well throw that one out there before we can tell these fine folks all about the classic that is Nowhere to Run. We need to let them know how to hit us up. And of course, the easiest way to find all the links that have to do with the 3FN Podcast is to go to the website, 3FNPodcast.com. There you will find all the social media links. You will find the Patreon link, patreon.com slash 3FN Podcast. For as little as $1 a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content and also help support the show. Also, there's the Public link. There's a Friends of the Show link where you find good friends like the Ocho Dur a parlay hour podcast and there's the music directory where you get to see the great bands who provide us with the music that you hear on the show so we can go copyright dmca free if you will make sure you support all those great bands on spotify youtube music and Bandcamp. and last but not least there's a section for the local sponsors who help bring everything we do to you commercial free and the main sponsor of 3fn rewind is our good friends at dragon master games for all your magic the gathering and gaming needs visit them on the world wide web dragonmastergames.com now that we got the business out of the way, Ron, shall we dive right back into that old school, take it, kick it back to 93 and talk about nowhere to run? Well, you know, 93 when I was just starting high school, when I was a freshman in high school. I was 10 years old. <laughs> that, 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 that should just tell you there's a little bit of age difference. Uh, so Nowhere to Run was released, as I already mentioned, on my birthday, January 15th of 1993. It has a runtime of 94 minutes, and thank the Lord for that. Uh, the movie was directed by Robert Harmon. Uh, his first first movie that he ever directed was The Hitcher in 1986. Uh, he would also uh, direct They, Highwaymen, and he's also been the director of all the Jesse Stone movies, the team made for TV movies. Okay. And most recently, he's been a director on most of the episodes of Blue Bloods. Oh, nice. So he must be a real big Tom Selleck guy is what I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have the screenplays, and we have a four-person screenplay or story <laughs> so two of these people wrote the story three of them wrote the screenplay so the first start off first with the the guy that gets the top billing and that was joe as azaris and he did the story and the screenplay his first uh, movie that he wrote was a movie called fist f dot i dot s dot t in 1978 but you would later know his better works later on of Flashdance, <laughs> basic instinct sliver 
Showgirls, Jade, and last but not least, he most recently has done The Impact in 2022. Oh, nice. So, I mean... I mean, he's got a trend there. Flashdance, Showgirls, Jade, Basic Instinct, Sliver. In, in, in like, this movie, what do they all have in common, Ron? Boobs. Yeah, boobs. 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 Boobs and sex. Yes. So uh, Joe Ezra's likes boobs and sex. And don't we all? Yes. Uh, also, this uh, next person only wrote the story, uh, and that would be uh, Richard Marquand. Uh, and he, the only other movie, he, uh, this is the only movie he ever wrote. However, what he is most famous for, Ron, is he is the director of Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Oh, yay. Yes. Such so great. Yeah, he's the director of Return of the Jedi. How do you feel about that? Uh, Return of the Jedi just sucks people. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Richard Marquand is no longer with us. Uh, he died of a stroke in September 4th of 1987 at the age of 49. And that makes me, mind you, with since we're celebrating me just turning 40, as when this came out, I've just recently turned 40. Uh, that, that freaks me out a little bit, man, because that's well, only dude, nine years he, away. It, yeah, well, because he, he recorded, you made freaking the worst Jedi Star Wars movie out there. Just finally caught up to him. Oh, uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but you didn't have to say. I, I, I would play the sound clip, but then it sounds like I'm I'm le- leading you on. I, I don't want to do that. It's all right. We have notes up there. <laughs> you weren't expecting that kind of comment. No, nah, it's okay. Next up, Leslie Bohm is the next director. By the way. This is an interesting director, or the next writer. Sorry, I said director. Uh, the next writer for this film, Leslie Bohm, he did the screenplay for this, but he also wrote House 3, The Horror Show in 1989. That was his first movie he wrote. He then wrote Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, The Dream Child, Okay. before doing Daylight, Dante's Peak, and the most recent thing he did was, I think in 2017, Shut Eye, which is a TV series. Nice. And last but certainly not least, for writers, there was Randy Feldman, who did the screenplay on this as well. Uh, the first movie he ever wrote, Hell Night 1981. Uh, so he would go on to do Tango and Cash and Metro. Uh, that was an Eddie Murphy movie, yes. if you remember. And uh, Know Your Enemy in 2019 was the last film that Mr. Feldman brought us. And I do not know if he's related to Corey Feldman or not. There's uh. a possibility. I probably not. <laughs> uh, we're going to have to find out from Diesel. We'll have to get back to you guys on that one. Now that we've gone through the director and the writers and who created this movie, let's go into the cinematographer because we love to give the credit to the people who shoot these movies. And for this, it is David Gribble. Uh, his first movie, Private Collection, in 1972. And then he did a lot of TV stuff. Uh, next up would be The Quest, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme in the 90s. And uh, most recently, he was uh, actually the guy who's been the cinematographer on the Jesse Stone movies. So there's the tie-in with our director, Robert Harmon. So good tie-in there. Now we know why they work together on this film. Now that the creators are out of the way, let's dive over to the actors. For the love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some scars? All right. First up, of course, the star of this film, we can't understate it, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, of course, Sam Gillian is who he plays in this movie. Uh, his first movie, by the way, uncredited role, but the first major motion picture he was in in the United States, ready for this, is one that we're fans of, Breakin' in 1984. Oh, okay. Not Breakin' to the electric boogaloo, <laughs> just Breakin'. Of course, he would then go on to be in Bloodsport, Kickboxer, Lionheart, Double Impact. I threw that in there because of uh, Dennis Rodman, obviously. Hard Target. Or Time Cop, Double Team. Sorry, that was the Rodman one. Double Team, Double Impact was the hockey one. Remember the scoreboards? Got oh, the that's right. It? Yeah, yeah I man. mixed the two up. I am. It I was apologize. a Penguins game too. Yeah, it was a Penguins game. I apologize for that. Which they should have blown up the Penguins a long time ago. I oh. <laughs> 
As a diehard Rangers fan, <laughs> fuck the Penguins. And if you're a Penguins just, fan, that's okay. I'm a hockey fan. I don't really have a team, but fuck the Penguins and fuck the Sabres. There you go. I, I can agree with both of those. And, of course, uh, most recently, Jean-Claude Van Damme was in Minions, The Rise of Gru in 2022 as the uh, voice of Jean Claus. <laughs> Jean Claus. Jean Claus. I like it. Uh, next in this movie... His co-star, if you will, Rosanna Arquette. And yes, she is from the Arquette dynasty. Uh, she plays Clyde Anderson. By the way, Clyde is an interesting name. Uh, her first movie was in Gorp, G-O-R-P, from 1980. Uh, she would then hit the star running with Desperately Seeking Susan, where she uh, starred opposite Madonna in that, That's if right. you remember. Yep. Uh, there was a little uh, bit of a gap when she then hit this next because then she did a lot of 90s movies that will stand out to you of course she was in pulp fiction crash the whole nine yards uh later on would be in joe dirt and most recently she's been in signs of love in 2022 so she's still out there working and boy boy oh boy did i forget how hot Roseanne arquette truly was <laughs> she's she's a fine looking woman fine looking lady there oh i enjoyed it immensely Next up, we had Kieran Culkin, of course, famously the younger brother of Macaulay Culkin, uh, played Mookie Anderson. Uh, of course, Kieran, his first movie was in his brother's movie, Home Alone, in 1990. He would also come back for Home Alone 2. He was in the role of Fuller. Remember oh, the kid it, that pisses the bed? Yep. That is Macaulay Culkin's brother. Wow, nice. uh, so after that, he would also, he actually, believe it or not, he had a good run in some movies. Only the Lonely. He was in Father of the Brides Part 1 and 2. Uh, She's All That. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And most recently, uh, he was in The Boys Presents Diabolical. Okay. So very, pretty good run for Kieran Coakland. I got to be honest with you. I, yeah. I didn't realize he had that kind of run. No. Next and final for the actual actors in this movie. And trust me, we're not even going to deep dive on some of the other actors because it's a lot of character actors and background people, let's be honest, in this movie. But in the main bad guy role, we had Ted Levine as Mr. Dunstan. He started his career off in One More Saturday Night in 1986. Uh, would follow that up and be in such great movies as The Silence of the Lambs, The Mangler, Flubber, Wild Wild West, The Fast and the Furious, the original movie. And most recently, he was on the TV series Big Sky. Oh, nice. All right. It's time to get some money, Ron. <laughs> The budget of this film was $15 million, and I'm going to shock you and tell you that this movie made a lot more than what it was was budgeted for. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. This movie made north of $50 million, but less than $75 million. From that parameters, what is your guess for the box office? Unfortunately, $62 million. You were super fucking close. Sixty-four oh, million it doesn't deserve it. Dollars <laughs> was the box office for nowhere to run. Well, this is in the middle of Van Damme mania. Let's yeah, I know. Van Damme at this point in juncture is the Jean Claude Van Damme that we all love to love. Yeah, no, I know. You know, you're coming off a of blood sport, kickboxer. I you know, know like Universal Soldier. Universal Soldiers is right around yeah. this time. So you're you're coming off of like Jean Claude Van Damme is a, yeah. a leading action. Jean Claude Van Damme at this point is in the same breath as Stallone yes. and Schwarzenegger, which is impressive. Yes, because he was on that second run. Because then him and Bruce Willis and uh, Mel Gibson kind of came into that yes, run. Yes, that and uh, so, or Steven Seagal. 
Yeah, Steven Seagal around the same time. So, like, he's in the height of his popularity. Like, let's be honest. Let's not get it twisted. By the way, going to IMDb, I know I didn't do it earlier. I'm doing it out of order right before the review. We do have a synopsis of this film, and there's only one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Nobody added another one. Well, how could you? So here's the only one that they have on IMDb. <laughs> Sam, an escaped convict, lands up on a farmland owned by a widow. When he learns that a ruthless contractor is trying to take over her land, he helps her to fight against the injustice. I mean, uh, it's it's right. Doesn't mean it's... Thank God there's not another one. <laughs> or is there? Oh, Jesus. Nowhere to run to. <laughs> Nowhere harder. Because <laughs> he, he, they let him leave. Run harder. <laughs> run faster. I don't know. Something. <laughs> Better off running. I mean, one of the people who wrote this movie, you know, Fast and Furious. Uh, <laughs> that maybe he's got, maybe oh. we're going to tie in the character of Sam in the oh. new Fast and Furious movie. I hope so. Will, will he be family or the bad guy? Oh, he's going to be the cousin from Quebec. No, he's going to be the cousin from Quebec. That's the third a lawyer. cousin. The that, third that's cousin. a lawyer. The third cousin. Sorry. Remember, specifically yeah. at one point, third cousin from Quebec. Yeah, he's like, I never heard of him before. <laughs> well, let's dive into the review of this movie, of course. Let's let's go right in the beginning. Like I said, we'll kind of go through some of it. This movie is not one I want to spend time on scenes because it doesn't make a lot of sense. But obviously, we'll talk about going through and then come back around to anything else we missed. But this movie opens in like the most generic, classic, mid to late 80s, early 90s action film open. Yeah. Where the open is like a bus driving down a desert road while we get the credits in white. Yeah. Well, some cheesy ass music is playing. Yep. Like they did that in so many movies in the mid to the mid eighties to the mid nineties. This was like yeah. an action trope, something that has a little bit to do with the storyline, but just is annoying and takes too long because the whole opening credits, which takes probably three to five minutes is nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. It's just, a, you find out it's a, you know, bus full of convicts being transported with two old guards. <laughs> right. And, and and the thing of the matter is, is a lot of people will be like, but Rich, what's the difference than when they go to the black screen and do all that? Well, at least when they go to the black screen, you usually get a little piece and then the black screen and it does all that. And then you go in the movie. We don't just have to watch a bus drive down yeah. a windy desert road yeah. for fucking ever. Mind you, we barely find out where this movie takes place. Yeah. Because it's an FBI bus. The only reason I know it takes place in California is A, the license plate on the bike says California. Yeah. And there is one mention of California. Yep. That's the only reason I yep. know it takes place in California. Let's go right into it. And it kicks off after we get out of the opening credits. There is a Camaro following, <laughs> or Thunderbird, actually. I think it was a Thunderbird more than the Camaro, following the bus and then cuts off the bus. And the bus flips over, of course, because when you get cut off and you jerk the wheel completely to the right for no fucking reason while slamming the brakes, the bus is going to flip over. I'm just saying. Yeah. I don't know why that was a thing, but okay, cool. Yeah, because, you know, you're in a bus like that car. You just you just ram that car. You don't care. Yeah, exactly. You, you especially, especially doing FBI, FBI, you know, prison convicts, transport, prison transport. You just ran that car. There's nobody else around. You ran the car and call it in. So we find out that it's I don't know if Billy is the brother of Sam or just a good friend because he never explains it. Yeah, it, it, it's a 78 Trans Am. Okay, so it's a Trans Am. Yep. So here's, here's the, so that's one of the first confusing things as we find yeah. in this beginning part. We don't know who Billy is to really Sam, but fine, he does this. The one cop acts is to go check on the dri the asshole driver of the Trans Am, and of course he's alive and he puts the gun to the guy. And then the other uh, guard, 
here's Van Damme's character, Sam, saying he's got a broken leg, so he goes back to unhook him. That wouldn't happen in no, real life. No, no. Oh, well, you're bumming. And then when he get, the guard gets closer, he's like, oh, my arm. Sam's like, oh, my arm. He's like, what is it? Is it your arm or your leg? And that's when he realized he fucked up. <laughs> Pretty much. At that moment, he realized he <laughs> fucked up. But then you turn around, and this is the dumbest fucking shit ever, is that they bring the other cop into the thing, unhook all the prisoners, and then they have to fight off because we had to have an action sequence. Yeah. Because the flipping isn't really an action sequence. Even taking over the cops, not really an action sequence. But because we had to have an opening action sequence in one of the weakest action sequences probably of the decade of fucking action, uh, movie. action movies is this action sequence to get the prisoners that try to steal their car out of the car. Yeah, because there's only one car there, so obviously the prisoners are in there trying to get it. You know, and it doesn't even really set if he took the took the keys out or not either. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking weird. So then, then you have this, you know, action sequence for John Claude to do what John Claude does, and then they get the car and take off. And as they take off, they had left these stupid fucking guys alive yeah. to then get shot. Yep. Well, the the buddy there that broke him out. I told right. you. I told you I get you out, and all of a sudden. You know, he pulls out. A First of all, a guard has a sniper rifle. Yeah, pulls out a sniper rifle, even though he had a shotgun in his hand before. No other place for, not saying they can't have a cage full of guns. I get it. But the handgun was put into a little lockbox. You don't see the sniper rifle. He had a shotgun that was obviously dropped at the car. So then all of a sudden he peeks out of the tipped over bus like he's 20 years old and was a sharpshooter for freaking Nam. And just sat there and lined up a shot, which, okay, it was a straightaway. I'll give him that. So you're just shooting a bullet straight, but he aims for the passenger. Fucking wild. <laughs> which, Fucking wild. Which happens to be... Hits him right in the neck, too. Yeah, which happens to be the buddy, not not John Claude, not Sam. So you didn't realize... Obviously, okay, maybe you thought Sam would be in the passenger seat, but why wouldn't you go for the driver regardless? Also, I want to point out the bullet goes through glass and the it seat. has to move through the seat. Yeah. To hit him in the neck. And no, no, nowhere the ricochets. Yeah. Nowhere ricochets. No. Plot armor. <laughs> so I told after, you I told you I'd get you out. Uh, it should have been me in jail all these times. Cause, that's cause, all you get. Because we find out later that Billy actually shot the cop during the armed robbery. Yeah. And that's why Sam goes to prison. Yeah. It is what it is. Now, like the dumbest shit ever is we now get like, for whatever reason, we get a scene of Jean-Claude carrying a shovel in his dead buddy, Billy over and we don't get to see the grave or him burying. We just see him drink it. So we assume he gives him a burial. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, he's in a suit inside of like a like real rural grocery convenience store kind of thing. Yeah. And it was a little bigger than a convenience store, but it was not quite a gigantic grocery. Like, you no, know, like almost a gas, a small gas station. Yeah. Type of like, 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 he's uh, buying steaks and plastic baggies. That's yeah. all I know. Yeah. And then, like, so it's like, then all of a sudden on the news, they're talking about the fugitives getting fugitive, away. Fugitives getting away. There's six. I think it says that are, and then the weirdest line of dialogue. I'm here hunting. What are you hunting for? Flamingos. Yeah. Have you seen any flamingos? Now, mind you, they're doing a coded talk, which is the dumbest shit ever, because he's got a hand on the gun, and the guy tasks the guy behind the counter. Have you seen any flamingos? No. Never seen a flamingo. Uh, Is that going to be your story if anybody asks you if you see flamingos? Yeah, never seen a flamingo. Okay, and then put his hand off the gun. I'm like, why couldn't you just say what you're going to say? Yeah. Like, it's stupid. Stupid. So we find out that he's... Drives off this road in the middle of nowhere. God knows how he knows where the fuck he is. It's not yeah. like he's from here. Yeah. And he sets up camp next to a, like a fucking pond, which by the way, where he sets up camp by this pond, it it's open 
area all around. Yeah. Like he goes through the woods to get there through a trail, but then on the other side it's just open area. Yeah. Like if somebody was looking, you could see his blue ass tent yep. and his fire and all yeah. that happy shit. Yep. So makes zero fucking sense. And that's when we find out that, you know, Billy obviously kept the money from the heist because there's a box full of money and a tape recorder where Billy, you know, apologized like, oh, this means I didn't make it. Yeah. Pulling the Randy Meeks from Scream <laughs> fucking two yeah, or I, Scream three. Sorry. I, I didn't make it. So, you know, I hope you like the suit. I got you. Like, well, you know, where's, where's, where's the rules of action films? Yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously it must have been in the trunk of the car. I don't know. Uh, but it, it, he's there. He's sleeping on the ground with a sleeping bag and you know as he's camping and it's just like okay there's the lake there's the car and then he finds the farmhouse so he, yeah, so yeah he goes off finds his farmhouse just because it's nearby yeah and he break first of all he's peeping tom's in yeah best by the way i think me and ron agree <laughs> best scene in the movie <laughs> rosanna arquette is uh getting ready to take herself a little bathy bath and, then and of course lather uh, up the soap for speaking very slowly should have put on the sexy music yeah. and of course uh jean-claude van damme peeping tom's in as we get a full naked star of rosanna arquette oh, her sexy sexy body. soul peeping He's been so, in prison oh, he's, a long time. He's so, so, even. So then he goes in the house. Basically, he goes to the house to steal salt, to season his steak yeah. with. Just salt, though. No other seasoning. Yeah, just salt. And the kid, Mookie, thinks that it's fucking E.T. <laughs> <laughs> ah, fuck. hey, it's real. But it's it makes real. no sense. So then he comes back the next day to break in to return the salt. <laughs> <laughs> and that time, the kid follows him back, and that's how we get the kid going, hey. And basically, the conversation when the kid follows him back is, hey, are you E.T.? <laughs> no, my name is Sam. Oh, my name is, everybody calls me Mookie. Yep. Nice to meet you, Sam. I'll see you tomorrow. Well, I might be gone. Oh, well, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> and the next morning, here comes Mookie. Well, well, Sam's taking a bath in the pond, lake, yeah. whatever you want to call it. And he's like, what are what? you doing? Oh, are you starting a fire? Because you're doing it wrong. There's no oxygen in this. Yeah. <laughs> like, my dad used to tell me how to how to do this. And I, he told me how to cook. So, how, 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 What are you cooking? A steak. Oh, uh, I'll cook that for you. I'll cook that for you. Like, I'll get this fire going for you. So, and then. The, Mind you, this kid is what? Eight? Yeah. yeah nine? Yeah. And the daughter shows up. And yeah, the younger like, daughter. The, yeah, which is like six. And she's like, you don't remember your, you don't remember our father. But you don't remember any of this stuff. So there's that whole thing of. The father's been dead long enough to where Mookie's making up uh, stories stories so he can remember his father. Which is fucking... But like, Which is that, fine. I don't care about that. Like, but even with the subplot of this movie, it makes no fucking sense. Like, this is just a weird-ass scene of yeah. these kids finding a naked man in the pond. And later, we get an even better callback because after, you know, he gets involved with, you know, something that happens and saves the mother and the farm, yeah. and that's how we get him into, like, the mix of things... Uh, there's a t uncomfortable morning breakfast at the table where the little girl goes, oh, he's got a big penis. Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. How do you know? I saw him bathing in the lake. And yeah. then the mother who had seen him in the shower goes, it's not that big. It's about average. It's average. <laughs> like, <laughs> he looks at her like, and I'm like, why are we having a penis discussion with a six-year-old little girl? And he, But like, he's like, he's got that look on his face like, yeah, I do. You know it's and, fucking bad. And then she goes, it's average. She's like, aww. <laughs> Who, who have you seen? My my point still stands. That like who the why the fuck is this dialogue in the movie? Yeah. So in the meantime, we find out that there's this land developer who is purchasing the land because he's going to turn it into some kind of like 
fucking know ur- urban complex in the middle of fucking nowhere. So, yeah. The beauty of whatever. It's fucking the weirdest shit. They never really go into detail of no, exactly what he's doing. There, there's more mining than anything going on there. That's right. why That's why I don't understand but, that concept. But yeah, but they're they're building some kind of development. To, people are going to want to move to this fucking middle of the nowhere fucking place for. And by the way, we know it's middle of nowhere because later in the movie when Jean-Claude Van Damme is running from the cops, it's the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah. The middle of nowhere. So... <laughs> This is the whole subcast that he's trying to buy the property, but she won't sell it. Clyde won't sell her land. And there's a couple other people who won't sell their land. We find out at this meeting. So then they bring in Mr. Dunstan. And mind you, no time. Okay, so they treat Mr. Dunstan at like he's the equivalent to Mr. Joshua from yeah. the Lethal Weapon movie. But they never tell you or show you he's a badass, and they never come through on that. Because even in the final fight scene that we'll get to, He's not a badass. Yeah, no. So it's really weird. He does magic tricks, and it's always the two of clubs, so it's obviously a fake fucking deck. I figured that out real quickly. But yeah. is what the fuck is up with the villains in this movie? Like, they make no sense. It's like unnamed henchmen from the Batman TV series, and the two main criminals are some fucking banker dude that sounds like he's from... Yeah, I don't know, New yeah. Zealand or something? Yeah, something like that, yeah. And it's just rich white guy. Yeah. And then this hired muscle who doesn't look like muscle and doesn't look threatening at all, he just looks like the Dollar Tree version of fucking Mr. Joshua from Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Well, Am I the, missing something there? No, it's exactly what he looks like. I mean, he's supposed to be a bad guy because he smokes a cigarette. Every, oh, time, every time you see him, he has a cigarette. And the henchmen he hires are like the dumbest, weirdest yeah. fucking people. None of them are. There's only one guy that has any kind of muscle or looks like threatening. The rest of them are like fat hillbilly country folk. Yeah. And Jean Claude Van Damme just rips through these people. Like the action sequences in the, the sequences in this movie are not good at all because really Jean Claude Van Damme is just ripping through like like common people that can't fight and there's no time where he's ever in danger. Yeah. None. No time. No time at all. Meanwhile, we find out that Clyde's been banging the the sheriff yeah. or the deputy sheriff, uh, Lonnie, and Lonnie's trying to make excuses for her because he's actually in the pocket of the banker, dude. Yeah. And it's just like, it's convoluted for no... Am I the only one that felt like this movie is convoluted for zero fucking reasons? No, it is. Zero fucking completely. reasons. It's like everybody, you know, obviously it's a small area, so obviously everybody knows everybody. But the fact that, you know, she's banging the sheriff because it's the only prospect around, I guess, but he's lying to the banker going oh she won't sell she won't sell and that's like the first scene you see with you know the hitman basically going or the hired muscle and he's sitting there going well are you banging her and he's like no and he's like really pick a card and then does the whole magic trick and slides the two of clubs into the money envelope and he's like oh no he knows he's a bad motherfucker. He's a bad motherfucker. He was able to bad put, put the two of clubs into into but she already put the two of clubs in there let's yeah, be honest yeah. before the envelope was sealed well but it, anyways so, like, this movie is just, is just there's no reason for it. Like, yeah. the, the simplicity of, like, the good action films from the 80s and 90s are, at the end of the day, simple, plotted fucking movies. Like, there is a plot. There is a story. Maybe they're going after somebody for a reason, et cetera, et cetera. But there's just a threat, and we get to see action sequences to get to the end of the threat and have the happy ending. This movie, for some reason, instead of having you go from action sequence to action sequence to get to the end of the, the plot, is like the fucking like curves and twists and fucking going everywhere. Like, if you took your pen and instead of drawing a straight line, you put a bunch of loops and fucking backwards, and that's this movie. Yeah. For no reason. And, and it's not because you can't follow it, because it's dumb, simple shit. Yeah. It's just there's no reason for it. 
And it's it gets real convoluted. Of course, we have to have a love interest. So she misses her husband. And this is the weird fucking part. I, I, this is a part that I need your take on. Oh, God. So when we get to the point where she misses the husband, she's crying about the husband, but then offers the pussy yeah. to Jean-Claude Van Damme, who turns it down because he's a gentleman. Uh, uh, he's he's yeah. a, he's a gentleman at that point. He's a gentleman. At okay. That at that, his character Sam is a gentleman. <laughs> we'll talk about Jean-Claude Van Damme not being a gentleman in a minute. But think about it. We have this scene where... He's doing all these nice things, and she sees him with the kids, and the kids are reacting very well to him. They're watching old videos of her wedding and showing the kids about her, her, her dad. And you know, he, you know, Jean Claude Van Damme comes and has a cup of coffee, which is weird. While all this is happening, and then they go, she goes outside, and she's kind of having a cry, a little emotional. She misses her husband; she's never gotten over him. Jean Claude Van Damme comes out, sits down on the porch next to her, and literally while they're sitting there, and he's, she, you know, Jean Claude, she's like, ask him if he ever been married. He's like, yes, but a long time ago. Which he's young in this movie, so yeah. I don't know how long ago it could be because. Maybe he's 30. Maybe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Maybe. I don't even think so, but maybe. Yeah. It's, it's like how long as he was in jail? You know, when when did that original bank heist happen? Yeah. They never tell you how old he is, but like judging by the looks of Jean-Claude Van Damme at this point in juncture, he's maybe 30 years old yeah. in real life. So like you turn around and she's literally crying. She got tears like, oh, I miss him all the time and da da. And she's like not bawling, but like tears are coming down. And she just looks over and goes, do you want to sleep in my bed tonight? Like, she just wants the dick? Yeah, she does. She just, okay, so, okay, I can understand being horny. Like, that would be your argument. But then Lonnie comes over after Sam fucks off to his barn where he's sleeping outside. Yeah. They can't even offer Sam the couch, by the way. Yeah. They, they give him the barn. Yeah. We're sleeping on hay. Uh, so Lonnie comes over, and Lonnie's just like, you ready to go? Ready to fuck? It's a little late. And she's like, and she's like, oh, it's a little late. Well, this is the same time I normally come. I just don't feel like it. Meanwhile, you were all horned up for Sam Dog. I thought Sam, this is after she said he only had an average penis. Yeah. So what's up? What's up, Clyde? What's up? What's up, Clyde? What's up, girl? <laughs> what's up, girl? So this leads the, so now Lonnie's jealous. Now, mind you, Lonnie and her are not in a relationship. And I feel like he's sneaking around because I think he's married or something. They never say. They don't but say why it. is he showing up in the middle of the night? He's a sheriff. He's busy during the night. Bullshit. You know it's bullshit. You know there's some more story that they just left out, put out the cutting room floor. Because this movie fucking makes no sense. It's, he's busy, man. He's busy being a sheriff and so being, he's, being a dirty sheriff. So he's mad at, that Sam is probably getting away and cock blocking him. He's, 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 he thinks he's getting that pussy, which he's not yet. Not yet. And next thing you know, he's like, all right, I'll take care. Let me get a crack at that guy first. And it's the worst fucking, the only time Jean-Claude Van Damme gets his ass whooped in this entire movie. Entire, we've seen it up at this point. I know we skipped over. They, uh, there was some guys trying to tear up the field. So he beats up four of those guys and they're in heavy equipment. Yeah. And have They have knives and shit. Nobody has a gun for some reason. I don't understand <laughs> that shit. And like, and before that, we had the guys at the, the car in the beginning. And then I think there's one other time he beats up a couple guys just yeah. randomly. Yeah. So like he's beat up a few people. Nothing to write home about. The only time this whole movie where he ever gets his ass kicked is when the sheriff locks him to the fucking door of the garage and takes the nightstick to him. And then he passes out like he's dead. Yeah. Like like he because they come and find his body. God knows how much longer later. But you're not going to pass out like that. Like and especially because we know the next scene is he's in the room and she's taking care of him. And the next thing you know, they fucking. Yep, that's where he gets the pussy, and that's where Jean Claude Van Damme, <laughs> as you point out, Zion, because he he suck on that titty. <laughs> you went right for it too. I've I've seen a lot of sex scenes in movies. I have never seen the grab that titty, suck on that titty in a sex scene <laughs> in a movie that's not rated R, not pornographic. <laughs> I have never seen it. This is the first. I am not upset that I got to see more Rosania or cat titties. I know that's insensitive to some out there. I, <laughs> and I do not apologize because it was nice to see them titties. 
But it was just kind of weird that Jean-Claude Van Damme just naturally starts sucking on a titty. Oh, yeah. And then the worst part about that sex scene, though, right, is after. What happens the, What happens after the next day? Mookie's looking for Sam because that's his best oh, friend. Yeah. And he comes in the kitchen and he goes, <laughs> he goes to his mom, uh, Sam's not in the barn. Did he go to the store without me? She goes, no, he slept, he slept in my room last night and smiles. And he goes, oh, he, he's still sleeping right now. Give him another couple hours. Yeah. And then he goes, what did you do to him? <laughs> and you're just like, why are you having this conversation with a sub 10 year old little kid? Yeah. Why is this in the fucking movie? Why is this acceptable? <laughs> and the kid was happy about it. Like, I he got was, it. I yo, got a new daddy. Sa- Sam was drilling your back out, Ma. Way to go. Give him like a couple hours to sleep. Both like, of these kids are happy she, that his mom is getting drilled out by Sam or before they wanted her to get drilled out. It's like, yeah. why are these kids knowing about your sex life, lady? Like, I feel like there's a lot of problems in this movie. Yeah. A lot of fucking problems. But he was, he was like all about Sam being the new daddy. He's like, I got a new daddy. I got a new daddy. I know. Re- know what, Sam? I don't really remember my dad that much. Like I say, I do. But I do. I remember you. The only other action sequence we missed over is there's a they light some other guy's barn on fire yeah. after he speaks up in the meeting to take it down, and fucking he goes in and Van Dam rescues the horses and the hail, hay falls on the guy. He rescues him, but then the propane tanks are gonna light up. But before they can explode, Van Dam knocks over a fucking water tower onto him. It's like the most ridiculous shit, but it's not even done well. No, not even done well. So basically. There's the the next threat is made because now the sheriff finds out who who Sam really is. He's a fugitive. Yeah. And so he's like, hey, I won't turn you in if you get the fuck out of Dodge. What's plot armor? Because why wouldn't you just to fucking arrest him? Now, he does say to the bad guys, I'll give him credit for this. He does say to the bad guys, well, I don't think we need the FBI and, and state troopers uh, being yeah. around with what's going on. And they're like, very smart man. I don't think that's the reason. I think he's just too, it's just pot armor. And they figured out, oh, wait a minute. People are going to shit on that. So well, we got to find a reason. Because after he leaves, they're like, oh, we'll make sure you take care of it. So then the bad guys call the troopers and he's not even that far out of town. Yeah. And because he's at a diner eating and a trooper comes in and this one doesn't know who it is at first, but the trooper comes in and he's asking him about his bike because he's got a triumph that he fits. Yeah. Oh, you know, he did a good job. And of course, Sam wants to get the fuck out of Dodge because he's a cop. So he gets back on the bike and the guy calls it in. And that's when they find out that the bad guys, Mr. Dunstan and the banker have called in the vehicle. Yeah. So now he goes and he's fucking off. and He's getting ready to camp. Not even far from where he was because it doesn't take him long to get back yeah. to Clyde and them on the farmland. So he could have been that far. And then we have the bike chase, the motorcycle yeah. chase from the cops who, first of all, the cops are on foot and horseback. Horseback and then a couple jeeps. Then finally we have cars. But what the fuck? Horseback? They're doing a sting on horses? Yeah, it's because they're trying to sneak around and he sees them. And he jumps up and jumps out of the bike and it starts right away. And no, dude, it was such a bad. He's like jumped straight up and landed straight down on the bike like a freaking cartoon. It was hilarious. (laughs) And then (laughs) and then they go ahead. Yeah, but then there's also like the jump over the car, which which you weren't going to be able to do because of the triumph without a ramp. But yet there's a dirt guy, a cop on a dirt bike, dirt bike that can't jump over the car. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, they chase him up the hill. Cause of course he goes up a hill and then just so he can go like on the skinny version of the top of the hills or yeah. mountain or whatever. And you know, it looks kind of cool. I'll give credit where credit is due, but it's just bullshit. Yeah. 
And all then he figures out, he said, he thinks Lonnie turned him in yeah. at first. And that makes him turn around and go back. Meanwhile, the banker and Mr. Dunstan are at the house and they're, they're capturing fucking Clyde and Mookie and the sister. And they're, you know, trying to light the fucking house on fire. And just as they go to light the curtains on fire, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Does Jean-Claude Van Damme things and just yanks this dude through the fucking window with the curtains, with the curtains on fire, which is kind of it was kind of a cool. No, I'll give credit. It's a little cool, but it explains why the house doesn't go up in flames. And then we get finally like a stupid action sequence, which made no sense. People aren't dying. Lonnie, you know, now is on the side of fucking Sam, which once again fucking weird. But then he gets knocked to the ground by Dunstan and fucking cuffed, takes him out of the element, and then we get. For no reason, and this goes back to Lethal Weapon. This must have been their homage to Lethal Weapon. We get the one-on-one fight. <laughs> Mr. Dunstan versus Sam, or Jean-Claude Van Damme. And because it's Jean-Claude Van Damme and a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, unlike in Lethal Weapon where we had the real Mr. Joshua, <laughs> not the dollar store version in Mr. Dunstan, and you had Mel Gibson, and they have a fight, and it's actually a fight fight, yeah. even though we question why they all let it happen. There's a fight still. This is a one-sided ass kicking. Yes. Like, Mr. Dunstan is not a badass at all. No. He gets the shit kicked out of him. He does have a gun, but Van Damme vanquishes that gun. He then has a pitchfork, but it doesn't matter. Van Damme fucks homeboy up and throws him through the windshield of the fucking cop car. Yeah. And then he tells Mookie to get uh, you know inside, and they're going to you know get everybody out, because the only guy left is the fucking banker, and he is yeah. a threat to fucking no one. No. But... Guess what? We got to have the second coming. Mr. Dunstan gets the shotgun from the cop car, but that don't work because nope. Jean-Claude Van Damme just beats that ass more. Yep. Like, it's just the one-sided ass woman. They dispatch the fucking banker guy as he's trying to shoot Van Damme, but the cops arrest him. And then Van Damme's in the house and he's like, oh, surrounded by cops. I'm a fugitive. Let's Lonnie up, helps him up, you know, to signify, I appreciate what you did, brother, if you will, yeah. which is weird. Lonnie's got to watch... Uh, Fucking Sam make out with his girl. <laughs> the kids are upset because he's got to go. And he lets Lonnie cuff him from the front. And the cops all look like he's a hero when he comes out, even though he's a fucking fugitive. Yeah. And Lonnie says before they leave, ah, they should knock some time off. You saved a lot of people's lives here. No, it's so bad. What the fuck, Ron? It's so what bad. What the fuck? It's so bad. And that's how the movie ends, by the way, folks. That's how the movie ends. I, I promise I'll come back to you. Hey. I can't do Van Damme voice, so it doesn't matter. Uh, nobody can do a Van Damme voice. And even Van Damme fucking, can't do a Van Damme voice. Fucking insane, <laughs> though. Uh, is there anything likes or dislikes that I missed when we covered the mm. little brief walkthrough and mm. a lot of the shit? Uh, no, it's pretty much hit every it's, dislike. And it's, never, it's there's, pretty, not, there's not enough likes to. Pretty, pretty much it. Yeah, 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 pretty much. I think I think we hit it all. We hit it all. Well, <laughs> you know, guys, before we can give our <laughs> scores, we need to take a trip around the Internet and see what they thought about nowhere to run and you know how we like to do that time to play the game time to play the game That's right, it's time to play the game. And of course, Ron is going to try to guess the scores from different sites around the internet for nowhere to run. If he comes within five points above or below, he gets the point. If he gets three of them right, he wins. If not, the house wins, and I will be giving him clues because, you know, I really think it's unfair when he's playing by himself. So I make up the rules, and we'll change them on the fly as we need to go. So, Ron, are you ready to play the game? Yes. All right, we're going to start, as we always do, with IMDb. 
out of 10 using points. And I'm going to tell you this right now. If you transfer this over to percentages even, this is the highest that it's rated anywhere is IMDb. And I will give you the further clue that it is below a six and a half. 5.2. You guess 5.2 and you are absolutely correct. And just by the skin of your teeth, 5.7 out of 10. Oh, Jesus. Next up, Metacritic out of 100% using, uh, of course, percentages, and it's only critics, what did they give Nowhere to Run? Your clue is it is lower. If 5.7 was 57%, it is lower than 57%, but higher than 30%. 32 jumped in my head. 32 jumped in your head? I'll say 32. Saying 32, and you busted on that one, Ryan. It was 41%. 41%. Rotten Tomatoes critic score. Metacritic was 41%. The Rotten Tomatoes critic score is less than 41% is what clue I'll give you, <laughs> but it is higher than 20%. Higher than 20, lower than 40, uh, well, well, 30. We'll go right there. You're going to go with 30 and yeah. you get the point. It was 33%. Uh, I should have 32. <laughs> Next up, Rotten Tomatoes uh, fan score. It's not going to get close to that one. As a matter of fact, I will give you this. It is less than the critic score, but it's higher than 15%. 19. Said 19. Oh, Ron, you should have gone a little higher. It was 32%. Oh, 32%. Uh, Yes, so just a little lower. All right, here's the last one. And it's for the win. Google users. And this is, yes, a Google users vote. So I will let you know that this is the highest of all of them by far because I don't count this with the other ones. As a matter of fact, I will say this. It is over double of the Rotten Tomato score. So that would be 33, so 66%. It is actually exactly double of one of the scores, and it is less than 85%. 82. 82%. I knew I gave you too much, cuz. <laughs> you win. It was 82%. Because it was double the Metacritic score. <laughs> Fucking Google users. I, I want to forewarn everybody at home. Never go to the Google users what they selected for it. You will be watching some of the worst movies thinking they're the greatest movies of all time. I just want to throw that out to you. Now that we've gotten the scores around the internet, though, Ron, it is now time to give our scores. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. That's right. It is our opinion. Of course, the nerd, the nerd score is simple. It is the combined, It is a recommendation where we combine our critic score with entertainment score. That means if it's critically bad, it could still be end up being a better nerd score because it's super entertaining and vice versa. The nerd scale is as follows. A one is no. This means it's a terrible film that you should never watch. A two is you've been warned. That means it's not quite the worst. It's not terrible, but it ain't good, so you shouldn't watch it. You've been warned. A three is, ah, it's good. These are good to average films. Uh, they're movies that you don't need to rush out and see, but if you do end up seeing them, you're not going to you know, regret the time you spent watching them, but they're not exactly movies that you have to drop what you're doing to see. You can see them whenever, or if you never see them, it's not like it's going to hurt you know, movie viewing. Uh, a four is just take my money. These are the very good to great films. These are movies that are essential. These are movies you should 
go out of your way to see. They might even be movies you add to your collection, spend some money on, hence why it is Just Take My Money. And last but not least is Rarified Air. That is the five spot with Certified Nerd. The Certified Nerd are the legendary films. These are the movies that uh, stand the test of time. They are the instant classics. They are the greatest of all times, if you will. Movies like Jurassic Park, Jaws, and so much more falls into this pedigree. Ron, with that being said, I'm sure this is nowhere near Certified Nerd. No. So, what do you give Nowhere to Run in 1993 for your nerd score and why? I am going to give this a two. You're going to give it a two? Ooh, I've been warned. It's it's not good at all. It's it's a two only because of boobies. Boobies. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. The boobies and brought boobies. the score up. Yeah, it did. Brought it up at one whole point. I'm going to be, I'm going to, you know what? I'm piggybacking right off you because I also gave it a two. Ooh, I've been warned. And uh, much like you, the the only saving grace for this movie, it was in focus. <laughs> uh, it it was in focus. And there was out of the generic action scenes, you still I could I can still take those. Yeah. And literally Rosanna Arquette naked, yeah. and maybe titty in the mouth a little bit. Titty, titty in the mouth. mouth. He, he went full force for that nipple. And with that being said, this movie, even giving it a full ass point for titties. Three out of ten. Yeah. This movie is fucking bad. It's so bad. And, and honestly, it should be just a fucking one. And we're, all joking aside, we could have voted as a one. We only didn't vote as a one because at least we got to see fine-ass Rosanna Arquette. Outside of that, this movie is a fucking complete. It, uh, the difference between a one and a two is not very much anyways. You should never watch this movie. Yeah. If you if somebody tells you to watch Nowhere to Run, fucking run. Run, run. There's plenty run. of places to run. <laughs> run to a better movie. <laughs> run to the theater and watch the worst movie in the theater at that time. You, you know what? You are better off off to see some of the other questionable movies that we've we've gone through over the years than this movie there, there's very few that are less than this movie yeah very few halloween ends is one of them <laughs> i'm just gonna throw that out there i don't give a fuck that is a hill i will die on <laughs> well if you uh, agree or disagree with us we always want to hear from you if you think that this is a complete trash uh, movie and you're upset that we gave it a two on the nerd scale because it really should be a one and you're right but we are horn dogs and titties <laughs> paid off uh so you want to tell us about ourselves if you agree with us that's always good too and you can say that or if you think that this is a fucking masterpiece and we lost our fucking minds go ahead and hit us up on the social medias if you want all those links are available at 3fnpodcast.com social media links links to patreon links to t public links to friends of the show like the odph links to the musical acts that provide us with music and the musical directory so we don't get those dreaded dmcas and of course uh, local sponsors like dragon master games for all your magic gathering and gaming needs visit them on the world wide web dragonmastergames.com all of that is to say that we are at the end of 3FN Rewind. Make sure you visit 3FNpodcast.com. Well, Ronald, we're continuing on our journey on 3FN Rewind. Of course, if you're not already, you should be listening to the flagship 3FN podcast where we bring you mostly new movie reviews where we do give you spoiler warnings because obviously they're mostly newer movies. Sometimes we cover it all one there. Or if you're a horror fan, you should definitely be checking out the other show on this network as well, 3FN Horror Show. Of course, if you're tuned into this, you know how to find those shows because they all come up right on this network. Simple, easy, peasy, lemon squeezy, as they like to say. Oh, yeah. 
Now, with that being said, I can tell you that the very next episode, when we come back for 3FN Rewind, we will be in February, and we are going to take a trip back to February of 1983, as we will be reviewing on three of the next 3FN Rewind, uh, the Martin Scorsese classic film, The King of Comedy. Cannot wait to talk about that. And... Uh, in between then and there, there's other stuff coming out, as I said, all the time between the flagship 3FN podcast and 3FN Horror Show. Make sure you're tuned in to everything we do here. Well, until the next time you hear our voice on whichever show you listen to, for myself and Ron, all I'm going to say is take care of yourselves, take care of each other. And if you ever find that there's a drifter living in your farmland, even if he's a hot dude with a foreign accent... You might want to be careful because he might be just sleazy enough to stick a titty in his mouth. Be kind, folks, in Rewind.